When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show we're talking about animal hobbies. While us humans are all trying to figure out our favorite hobbies to occupy our time, animals are already running, crocheting, and baking circles around us. We're talking bee bakers, web spinners, carpenters, fake astronomers, and dolphin shenanigans. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, do you really want to know what a bee mom's secret ingredient is? Joining me today is stand-up comedian, host of the podcast, You Can Tell Me Anything, and my friend, Teresa Lee. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Katie. Of course. It's good to see you. So today we're talking about hobbies and what we've been doing to kind of like stay, you know, relatively emotionally stable at this time, um, and how animals, how animals do, like their hobbies and how they stay alive much like we're trying to do now (laughs) so what are some of the hobbies that you've picked up to kind of cope with the new the new 2020 lifestyle first I have to say this is a marker of how long we've been in quarantine is I've been able to do your podcast twice during quarantine that's right (laughs) this is your second this is our second quarantine episode that's uh, my, how I mark time now is how many times I've done this. I don't even remember the four, four times, to be honest. <laughs> like when I think back to actually recording in a studio, I was like, oh, yeah, we used to be in a studio. 
not just me. I do, I do prefer the, uh, for me, just because I was doing all the, like, I was very, like, bootstrapping my podcast. So mm-hmm. it has been easier to get people to do it over Zoom than when I had to make them drive to me. Yeah, but as but as the editor of this podcast, I have to say I'm starting to dislike the the, the sounds of cars and the sounds of planes. It, it makes me viscerally angry when I hear a plane fly over now. But yeah, so um, how have you like picked up any hobbies? Like I've been crocheting a lot. Um, I learned how to crochet. Yeah, I, I do have some quarantine hobbies. I. Um... I'm learning to code, if not, and that's wow. not a bit. It's for real. That feels I think like I, that feels like a step up from a hobby. That feels like a life skill. I don't know. When it's me, it's definitely because I years ago. I mean, I've always been interested in robots and the singularity, but I was researching AI more for like a pilot I was writing, and then now I just actually want to have app ideas I want to make, and <laughs> I think it's because I don't have stand up. So I've been actively putting. Right. Uh, together stupid ideas that's one I also got into like I wish I actually had like a house I could work on but the very little I can do in my apartment I uh realize I really like power tools so I I borrowed my (laughs) I borrowed my boyfriend's drill and put up like a wall of mirrors to make a little dance studio and yeah it's been really fun slash probably unhealthy because I'm just (laughs) obsessing over (laughs) things I shouldn't be doing I also have like I have renovation envy. I live in a very small apartment. I don't think our lease would allow me to break down a wall or anything. Also, my neighbors <laughs> probably wouldn't like that, me bursting into their living room. But so we are talking about the things that animals do. Like now we think it's like really trendy to do all of these hobbies like crocheting and bread making. But these are things that animals have been doing for millennia. And first, I want to talk about bees and how they are little pastry chefs. They're incredible. (laughs) We don't think about animals doing baking, right? Because like that's like, oh, you know, you need to be a human with thumbs and like a chef's hat to be able to (laughs) like do baking. But bees are incredible when it comes to food preparation. And I want to talk about something literally called bee bread because bees don't just make honey. They also make bread. What? Exactly. I, I was. It's like one of those things where you learn about this and it just seems so whimsical. Like a like you imagine a bunch of fairies at a tea party with some bees and they're sharing bee bread and the bees are like, <laughs> yeah, I regurgitated it myself. But it, it's, it is pretty incredible actually this whole process. So honey is great for bees in that it contains a lot of sugar, which helps give them nutrition and helps them give nutrients to their growing larva, but it doesn't have that much protein. And so that's where bee bread comes in and that's where they get a lot of their protein. So bee bread or ambrosia is a bit of bee confection that they create by collecting pollen. So when bees go from flower to flower, they collect pollen all over their bodies. And that's not just sort of a byproduct of them collecting nectar. Obviously, it helps the flowers because that's how flowers are pollinated. A bee gets in there, gets all in the flower's sex organs, rummages around, goes to another flower, and then uh, pollinates that. It's all very, very kinky stuff. But um, they also intentionally collect the pollen So their bodies are covered in hair. That's why they're so adorable. Same, same. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, look, what what's the point of shaving these days? We need we need it to collect the pollen. Is yeah. you know, how else are we gonna make this bee bread? So they will clean their faces off. Their forelegs have little built-in combs that they can comb the pollen off of their little faces. That's like when they do the cute little. I like, love that you're doing. People can't hear this on the <laughs> pod, but Katie is doing a little bee impression, and it's uh-huh. so cute. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to embody the bee with the little, little feelers going all over my face. I have to become the bee. Bee come the bee. <laughs> so then they pass all of the pollen they've collected off of their faces to their middle set of legs. So they have three pairs of legs and they move the pollen like a conveyor belt down to the back pair of legs, their hind legs that actually have a built-in basket for pollen called corbicula. Mm-hmm. So the corbicula is a cavity in the hind legs surrounded by hair um, so that when they like pack in the pollen, it just sticks in there. It's literally a little basket in their legs. Wow. I mean, I wonder what which came first, the kangaroo or the bee? That is a good question. I think it was bees. Actually, yeah, I'm going to say bees. I'm going to, I think it's bees. That makes sense because they're a little more like bugs and Jurassic Park or whatever, I feel like. Yeah, I think. There weren't kangaroos in Jurassic Park. Although kangaroo and T-Rex, skeletally kind of similar. Very similar, very similar. You know, marsupials are a bit of a strange kind of evolutionary detour. (laughs) I I do think that if you, like, I don't know, like a velociraptor (laughs) versus a kangaroo, I feel like people in Australia, what do you think? Kangaroos are pretty ornery. <laughs> I'd give them a run for their their money. A hop for their money. A hop. Thank you. I'm sorry. I apologize for missing <laughs> that one, everyone. So they basically pack in this pollen ball using collected nectar and saliva to turn it into this tidy little lump. And then they can collect so much that it's like a third of their weight. So they're carrying just these it's actually kind of funny to see them because they just have these big old like um balls connected to their legs that they're flying (laughs) around on and then they return to the hive and they have that beautiful hive structure where you have these honeycomb all the the little cells and they shove the wad of pollen into an empty cell um and then put a bit of nectar on top to seal it in and then just let it marinate in the juices of like saliva, nectar, and then all of this pollen. And then it turns into bee bread, which that they can um, either eat, the adults can eat later. They can also like collect it and then use it to feed their young. And um, people sometimes eat it, although... Huh. I'm not sure, like, there's often these claims about health benefits of eating bee bread, and I'm not sure that there's anything that's really um, backed up by research. Uh, it's additionally- the benefit is feeling better than the person you're talking to. Exactly. The benefit is feeling like a fairy queen who reigns yeah. over the realm of bees and, like, have your tiny tea set with your little bee bread. Does the bread, like, actually bake, like, by the sun, or... Why, no, why do they call it it's bread? Just, it's sort of an ovenless bread. I, I think they call that's a good question why they call it bread. I guess it's just they look a little bit like buns. I don't mm. know if that's the reason why. That's how <laughs> that's how it forms in my mind. But yeah, I think it's just because they store it in a pantry and it's a solid, you know, it's more of a solid than like honey is. So 
kind mm-hmm. of seems bread-like. And, you know, as humans, we can technically eat it because it's pollen and stuff. But I think there's like some complications with it, like it can actually trigger allergies in some people. Uh, it can also, I think, have like um Which bread does sometimes. as well. A lot of, uh, you know, celiac. That's gluten. true. That's true. I wonder if like, if like, <sighs> if you have, like, could you, although I, huh. I bet there's like some crossover if you have a gluten intolerance and like potential mm. other allergies. But yeah, so it's not, um, it's not necessarily always good to just eat, but it's not, you know, it's like, uh, it's, I think it's kind of funny whenever, it's like whenever there's something that an animal makes, humans are just like, oh, if, if I eat that, maybe I'll like gain ah. the powers of a bee. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, I wonder, it's almost like, I feel like we would learn more by trying to do what they're, their version of right. what they're doing. Instead of just taking it from the, like, what would our, I mean, I don't know, it sounds gross, but like, could our, are we not using our saliva in the right way? Like, is there human saliva and crumbs? Maybe if we collect a bunch of pollen and pack it, just like lick it into a ball, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know what freaks me out about saliva is when you chew on gum or like suck on a hard candy, you're just like eating your flavored saliva. (laughs) <laughs> have you ever thought no, about because it that the way? candy goes down so parts yeah, of but, it go in your mouth it's a but you're digesting it in your you're like melting mm. it in your mouth with your saliva so you are sucking down like flavored sugary saliva i suppose i guess that doesn't bother me that much i'm trying to think of what well, i i don't know why it doesn't bother because i'm thinking what's the opposite it's spitting out the saliva which that right. to me feels grosser than just swallowing it. Right. That's true. I feel like saliva, when it's still in your mouth, is fair game. Once the saliva leaves your mouth, then, you know, you mm-hmm. swallow your own saliva all the time. But if someone was like, okay, spit in this cup, and I do it because I like to blindly follow instructions, and then they're like, <laughs> now drink this saliva, I'd be horrified and wouldn't want to do mm. it, even though that I'd like happily slurp down my own saliva, like when it's still in my mouth. Weird, right? <laughs> True. Yeah. I've never understood when couples share toothbrushes. That's always gross. Oh, my out. God. But, but then it's like, technically, the saliva that doesn't, is true. it's not what bothers me. But I think it's this idea that it's a cleaning yeah. device. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'll like, you know, kiss my significant other. But sharing a spoon is, it's fine. I'll do it. But <laughs> it's still, there's a slight thing of like, I don't know, though. Yeah, I'll like lick the inside of your mouth and I'll lick your teeth, but I will not use the same spoon. That right. I'll in. use my tongue to <laughs> floss your teeth, but sharing a spoon, licking the same ice cream. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so another bee that does some confection that looks delicious. I don't know if it would actually taste good, but I do want to eat it. It is the blue orchard mason bees. Now these are gorgeous little bees. They are different from honeybees in that they are, they're wild bees and they do not live in hives. Honeybees are considered somewhat domesticated because they are not from North America. They're not indigenous to North America. We introduced them to help us uh, pollinate in agriculture and obviously for their honey because it's delicious. But uh, blue orchard mason bees, as well as other types of wild bees, they are native to North America. They are solitary bees. So every female bees will have her own babies and they do not live in hives. 
they're uh they're not intolerant of each other though they sometimes <laughs> live in like apartment complexes where it's like they all make their burrows in the same area in fact like farmers will often create artificial apartment complexes for the bees because they Whoa. love them they use them for pollinating their crops wait are there so if there's no queen bee because they all have their own are there kings are there nope. like to get nope okay no nope, it's so still a, a feminist society okay. it's just a free-for-all and there are these big competitions for males to try to mate with females and <sighs> every female will have her own offspring and they like to live in hollowed out branches so just basically a little hole that they can just fit into and they will make their own nest by going out and collecting clay, hmm. picking it up with their mandibles, flying it back to that hollow twig, and then lining the inside. So they might make this nice clay-lined den. And then they go about creating, they look like they're scoops of sorbet um, for their offspring, that is a mixture of pollen and nectar and probably a lot of their saliva. Saliva gets everywhere in nature. I hate to say it. Um, you're probably eating a lot of bee saliva with with the honey, which shouldn't be a problem. It's great. But uh, so, like I said, they're excellent pollinators. They, even though they're very, mm, their populations are much smaller than honeybees. Hive structures are great for creating huge populations because the queen bee is so well cared for mm. that she pumps out enormous numbers of offspring every day. <laughs> and everyone in the hive is just ensuring the success of these offspring. So it's, it's, they are able to maintain a huge population, whereas solitary bees, since every... Um, Basically, every mother is only producing a few offspring. Uh, they just aren't as populous as the other, uh, as the hive introduced species of bees. But each individual bee is a much better pollinator than each mm. individual honeybee. They really are very busy, and they get they just travel to so many different flowers. They're excellent pollinators, great for agriculture. It's like a smaller classroom versus a bigger classroom. With yeah, like what one queen oversees a whole hive versus exactly it's except it's i don't bees. know that metaphor works i was trying to think of a metaphor but then i'm like that feels too what, political well, what i wasn't teresa, trying to be political <laughs> well what teresa is trying to say is that we should use bees to teach our children and i do like this bold new direction <laughs> for america and mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. our educational system you know yeah they, where's the yeah maybe those bee mothers could take on a few human right, children right mm -hmm. feed them just like shove pollen and spit in our kids mouths mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. nourish them i would I, let a bee watch my kid i would let I, I i too would let a bee watch my there's my no bees kids. in federal prison uh, exactly right now. oh did i mention that <laughs> blue orchard mason bees are blue they're very they're very cute i love bees mm. they have sort of a shiny they're very fuzzy but then like they're under that their exoskeleton has this kind of like shiny iridescent blue color that's very pretty oh they are so cute Whoa. so cute they're almost like flies but like cute yeah because they don't have like the striped they don't have blue. the striped pattern that honeybees have so you look at one you may not recognize it as a bee it is a bee and like i was saying so they create basically this long tube that is their den made out of clay inside a hollow twig and then they start collecting pollen and nectar and creating little balls of it's basically a confectionery treat for their offspring and that they will put into the tube. And 
they will lay a single egg on each of these balls of pollen and nectar that they've collected and then seal that in with a little bit more clay then move on to this next compartment in the tube lay another egg on top of like a ball of this confection this uh, nectar pollen mix and then seal that in so they create like basically it's food and then egg on top of the food wall, food, egg, wall, food, egg, wall, until they run out of space, essentially. And the food is, it, it looks beautiful, especially when these bees are using pollen from plants that have colorful pollen. So there's flowers that have purple pollen. So when they mm. use purple pollen, they make purple balls of food. And it looks gorgeous it looks delicious it actually looks a lot like like ube ice cream yeah. or sorbet it, it looks cool i, I want to eat it <laughs> but it's not it's like me. when you go to those fancy ice like salt and straw and they yes. have those like lavender and yes flavor. exactly oh i love salt and straw but yeah it does look like a lavender sorbet but the, mar the larvae on it doesn't look that up to kind of take no the, i wouldn't it away eat from the me, baby but... bee <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a little jelly, but if it w yeah. if it's a little too wormy lo looking yeah. for, for my it, taste. Yeah, no, I would. I don't want to eat a. I don't want to eat baby bees. <laughs> but it is very. It is cute. Somehow, there's just something so charming about that. Like, mommy made you a, a ball of like nectar and pollen sorbet, and then you'd grow up eating it, and then they weave themselves a little cocoon and then they come out next season as adult bees and then they burst through the clay walls wow so they don't even go check on them so no. that it, the whole thing is i feel like you know what that i would wouldn't mind being a parent if that's <laughs> if, if i could just um save up a, a ton of like crafts mac and cheese and then yes. just ball it up and like lay my egg in the ball right. and then just be like i'm gonna go summer in france and i'll um when I come back, you're going to be a teenager and yeah. I'll, uh, I'll say hi to you then. That would exactly. be cool. Like just let them eat their way through their teens. Yeah. A, a, a giant ball of mac and cheese. Here's like a giant Dagwood-esque <laughs> sandwich for you that will last your entire childhood. Eat up. See ya. Bye. Good luck. Pack like with a like a little like here's your lunch from mom and it'll last you for your entire entire larval state. I, yeah, mm -hmm. that's my type of parenting. <laughs> yeah, I could get behind that. <laughs> Sometimes meal prep is the difference between a tasty dinner and a toxic one. Loggerhead Shrikes, a small, unassuming bird who likes to impale its prey on thorns, are able to snack on toxic prey items by impaling them and leaving them out on the spit for a few days for their toxins to degrade. They'll impale toxic monarch butterflies, lubber grasshoppers, and toads, and wait until these ghoulish kebabs are ready to eat. When we return, we're going to talk about more animal hobbies, and my fellow knitters and crocheters out there are going to want to stay tuned for this. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, 
The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Spiders are the most famous silk spinners in the animal kingdom, from Charlotte's Web to the Greek myth of Arachne, who foolishly challenged a goddess to a weaving contest and was transformed into a spider for her troubles. In fact, that's where the term arachnid for spider comes from. But spiders aren't the only master spinners in the arthropod world. Oh, there's a... There is a... um house centipede in my bathtub right oh, now. Oh no. I I actually God. there's very few insects that really bother me, oh. but of them are silverfish which don't scare me but they like gross me out. I don't just like so them. Gross. Cockroaches, again they don't really scare me but they gross me out cuz they're just like so like oily and nasty. And then the third one is house centipedes because they have too many legs in my opinion. I don't like it. I don't care for it. I don't get scared of spiders, but house centipedes, it's just, it's too much. It's like you got too many segments. You got too many legs. So I got a um, plastic cup and I put it over the house centipede in the bathtub and I think I've solved it. I think I've solved the problem. We'll just have a plastic (laughs) cup in the bathtub forever now. Decoration. Yeah. I mean, it's there. I'll like glue it down. And with like seal it off, and it's just like, hey, look, it's you know, it's the, it's the classic <sighs> cup in the shower kind of That's thing. That's the that... one thing I feel like I told that being home literally all day working is like, if I see a bug at work, like I might not like it, but it doesn't feel like it's my bug. When I see a bug in my home, I'm like, it's if I don't, it's your bug. Get, it's my bug. I'm your like another mouth to feed. Like if you don't. I got to move this bug outside yeah. or if I don't move it, then later I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, did this bug, is it yeah, still here? Yeah. Is, is it, it in my eye in my mouth? Socket. Yeah, yeah. It's in my eye socket. Did it like go like crawl into my eye socket and like live in the space oh, behind no, my eye? That- <laughs> Spiders don't do that. Bugs generally don't do that. I, 
I actually don't. There are a lot of bugs that I, I'm very tolerant of most bugs. Like I said, like even spiders, sometimes I'll move them outside just because if it's like big enough, I don't want yeah. to like get startled and smoosh it. Uh -huh. If it's small enough, like I will just let it chill out because it's probably eating insects for me and I, I enjoy that. But, That's true. you know, and then like, you know, beetles, like when they get in, like I send them outside because like, what are they going to do in here? There's nothing there's nothing for them here. But <laughs> yeah. So you're uh, like, hey, thanks for the application. Like, it's just not going to work out. I just don't think there's anything for you to do, beetle. Like, Right. You're a June beetle. I don't think there's room for you. My apartment is like 200 square feet. <laughs> like, get out. I might be down for a spider if if I could communicate because I they do start on me, but you're right. They they are there helping me eat insects. But yeah. I think if I could be like, hey spider, I like I've how you said cleared up. I huh? like how you said. Sorry, you said like helping me eat insects. Like you you both are. Oh, like, like working, I have to do it myself. You're working on a big bowl of insects, and you're like, oh, I don't think I can finish this. I wish. So oh, hey, would you like? Do you want to finish this? I'm done. Wait, Katie, you don't eat your insects when there's no spiders in the house. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just don't have a problem finishing all my insects. Oh, true, true. Yeah, that's right. Waste not. Um, if I could be like, hey, spider, I've cleared out this corner for you. And like every once in a while, I'll check on you. And that's where you could be. Please don't come out when right. I'm eating. You'll startle me. Like we could make it work. But yeah. honestly, I've yet to find a spider that's going to follow my rules. So, right. I mean... I do feel like maybe if you if you set up like a little home for it, maybe then it'd get a hint, like a tiny welcome mat, and mm. it, it would have to have eight welcome mats. Yeah, eight, eight welcome mats, like eight pairs of little fuzzy bunny slippers, and like uh like an easy chair, and mm. like a copy of Arachnids Monthly, um with that you know centerfold of like you know. <laughs> That's very adorable yeah. and might actually make me less afraid of spiders. Yeah. I think if you're afraid <laughs> of spiders and you make your spot your house spiders like a little spider house, that will it, it's just like it changes the game, you know? It's like yeah, now they're sure. now they're a renter. So There you, know. you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of spiders, one thing that sometimes bothers me about Spider Man amongst many other problems <laughs> with the uh, comic book universe, is the fact he shoots webs out of his hands. Mm. Now, I, I understand there's, like, different versions of Spider-Man. There's, like, the version where it's, like, he, like, makes his web spinners out of technology, which always kind of bothered me because it's, like, he was bitten <laughs> by a radioactive spider and then he creates webs in a lab and puts them in canisters <laughs> on his wrists. It's, like... That's but true. It, you know, it was like, just a suggestion. Weird. It was like, I like that idea, Radioact. I like where you're going with that. Um, now I will just do most of the other work. Right. Like, whether. okay, so <laughs> all, your only spider powers are climbing up walls and having good punches. Like, that's boring. And then there's like the movie version with uh, Tobey Maguire where he like shoots it out of his wrists for some reason. And he's like, oh, how does this work? And then he squeezes his hands and mm -hmm. it comes out, which is equally baffling. Because really, with spiders, it comes out of the sort of rear end of their abdomens. And so that's that's how. So really, Peter Parker should be kind of spewing it sort of near his uh -huh. tailbone, kind of not not out the butt, not like out of the anus, <laughs> but near the butt. You know what I mean? Maybe with a fun like <laughs> sound as he goes. <laughs> 
But so if you really want Peter Parker to sling webs out of his hands, he shouldn't have been bitten by a radioactive spider. It should have been a radioactive web spinner. Mm. Web spinners are an insect that live all over the world in tropical and subtropical regions. And the males kind of are uh, unassuming looking. They look like long winged ants. They, they just kind of don't, you know, you would see one and not really think of anything. Females are actually the ones that do not have wings. And they have these like big doofy looking front legs that look like <sighs> little paddles. And this is where they have the Spider-Man powers because out of their front feet, they spew sticky strands of very fine silk. So um, females uh, look a little, they kind of look like long termites, you know, like a termite, (laughs) but just sort of stretched out with those like weird little paddle feet. And they like to live like in decaying wood, like under a log or something. And they will create these intricate silken tunnels out of these threads from their front feet. And the tunnels, which are called galleries, help protect the web spinners from the elements and from predators and from getting rained on. So they will literally take their little feet where they have the, a bunch of little hair-like protrusions that come out of their feet that um, actually each of those hair-like protrusions spits out a strand of very, very thin thread and it's actually the i think it's like the thinnest silk strands in nature created by an insect wow and then so like it it's a bunch of strands at once and then they just move their little feet back and forth like they're at a loom you know like the (laughs) the shuttle in a loom where you pass that back and forth they're just doing that with their feet like back and forth and back and forth It's so fine. It looks like, yeah, it almost looks like it's just like a piece of fabric. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it looks like, um, I mean, it looks a little bit like cobwebs or, or like uh, silk or something. It's, Mm -hmm. it's actually, it's very pretty to me. It, uh, in sort of like a gothic, like, you know, haunted, you know what I mean? Like Victorian haunted chic. Yeah. So basically these web spinners make all these little tunnels out of silk and Mm -hmm. they can live comfortably inside because they like to feed on lichen and moss, which is plentiful in the rotting wood that they are building this. And the silk canopies are so well made, it'll catch the rain as it falls down. And in fact, uh, when water falls on it, it like gets absorbed by the webbing and it Mm -hmm. actually changes the structure of the webbing so it becomes even more water resistant. So it's amazing in terms of how it is so weatherproof. And so they can live there. Their their offspring can live comfortably in, in there and they can actually be really social. So a bunch of web spinners can work together to create a bunch of like uh, galleries and like webbing together. And even though they don't necessarily live in colonies um, exactly, it's still like their neighbors and they're they're not too fussed about sharing their their handiwork because it benefits all of them to basically once you got a web spinner making these things and then more web spinners come in the mix you start to get these very elaborate Mm. structures of canopies and it, it helps all of them one thing that's kind of funny is they can't really turn off their uh web spinning feet on cue 
Like it's sort of the uh-huh. pressure that makes those silk ejectors work. So if they walk on their feet, just like normally, it will leave behind a trail <laughs> of sticky thread that they can get tangled uh-huh. in. So if they want to walk forwards, they actually have to walk on their tippy toes like a little ballerina (laughs) so that they don't trigger the web spinners. And so if they're trying to evade a predator and they're like walking on their tippy toes away, it's really kind of cute and pathetic. (laughs) But normally to evade a predator because they can't move very fast on their tippy toes, they will shimmy backwards and back away from the predator because that way they can still like walk on the flats of their feet and even though it leaves behind strands of webbing like they won't get tangled in it because they're moving Mm. backwards so either way like looking at them trying to evade predators is really cute and sad (laughs) (laughs) just leave them alone all they want to do is crochet and stay inside just like me it's cute that I like the idea that to build like a town everyone has to build it like imagine if everyone in LA in order to use the highways, you had to like help build it. Like traffic, yeah. it would help traffic so much. If like you have to help build the road that you want to drive on mm-hmm. and you would treat it better and you would drive safer and you would just be nicer to the people on the road because you all built it together. So wait, if we all build things together and work together, you mean it might improve our quality of life? <laughs> that sounds like socialism. <laughs> You're right. It was stupid. <laughs> Why did I even say it? You're right. Dumb, dumb, dumb. <laughs> Reviewer from like Weed Goku 69 yeah. says like, Teresa Lee not only introduced politics by saying our children should be educated by bees, but started talking about bee socialism propaganda. <laughs> Another crafty insect I'd like to talk about are carpenter ants. Now, if you live in an area that carpenter ants uh, frequent, you may already be familiar with these and perhaps have a rather antagonistic relationship with them because they are similar to termites in that they carve out wood. Unlike termites, they don't actually ever consume wood They just rip it out with their mandibles to construct themselves a colony. So sometimes when you think you may have termites, but you see these big piles of like sawdust, that is actually carpenter ants because they leave behind these big piles of sawdust that they are not eating. So carpenter ants are ants who carve out these extensive structures. Usually they prefer rotting wood. Um, But sometimes they will attack like human structures that is made out of lumber if it's soft Mm. enough. And they will basically like dig out all of the wood between, you know how like trees have rings and then like in between each ring you have like this new growth and like this like kind of old growth and then new growth, blah, blah, Mm. blah, so on and so forth. And then you have um, the, the tree rings and that's used to sort of like date it. Well, the ants will like carve out between the rings and then what that does is it gives them all of these little like concentric walkways that they can use uh, and travel throughout the colony and then they create sort of a nursery area and then all of these like satellite colonies so they're basically creating like a wooden city it's really incredible that's cool and Um, for in terms of like in forests this is actually great because again they like decaying trees and they do a really wonderful job of clearing out like decaying trees and helping with the decomposition process you know when you have like a big tree that falls down in a forest as you start to break that tree up into its 
composite parts and using them and then feeding on them, you actually, you know, that that's a good process of decay that helps the forest mm. kind of regrow and have like you, you have this microbiome of, of these organisms that flourish. And uh, then you can have new plants that, that take its place. And like, you know, you have soil yeah. that can become more fertile and it, it's, so it's very useful. Um, yeah, that's inter- interesting. This idea of like going after rotting or decaying because normally uh, to the human eye, we think like, oh, that's like you see something dead and you're, you feel like it's death, but actually, right. or you see bugs and you think death, but in reality, it's full of life. So that's exactly. like an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. De- I remember when I was in sixth grade camp, we had, um, we would go on these hikes and we each had our own like hike tour guide and ours was obsessed with talking about decay, like the de- decaying cycle. <laughs> And at the time, like I was a very scared little sixth grader. I was terrified of being away from home. Um, and like I was just like living in in fear, like in this camp and like there are bats everywhere. I was like, everyone's going to get rabies. <laughs> We're going to get killed by a serial killer. <laughs> now I'm on this hike with like this crazy lady who's like talking about decomposition. And she's like, do you kids want to see a dead horse? And everyone's like, yay. <laughs> And so she takes us to this pile of hair and teeth that was like a dead horse. She's like, I know this may seem gross to you, but this is actually a beautiful part of life. It is, it, decay is just as much of a part of life as life is. And at the time I was like, are you crazy? You showed us a dead pony. Like Twilight Sparkle is dead and you're just showing it to us. Now I understand where she's coming from, because when you have decay (laughs) in a forest, that means huge amounts of life that springs Mm. from the decaying, whether it's a horse carcass or a tree (laughs) carcass. I feel like there's like age appropriate, like you got to be a full adult and you've understood life before you see that because it could really fuck you up. Yeah. See that too young. I turned out fine. (laughs) I'm fine. Don't worry. I turned out fine. Now, you can totally tell by how much I talk about parasites and like dead things and gross stuff on this show that that it was actually perfect that I learned by seeing a dead horse in sixth grade. And it was a good growing experience. I think you need to build a welcome mat for dead horses in your house. That's true that I think that would heal me like next to my eight welcome mats for the spider just have like. (laughs) <laughs> one uh one welcome map for like welcome dead horses oh. i'm like a horse girl but for dead and decaying for horses de- oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> so another interesting thing about carpenter ants is that um they have different jobs so like in an ant colony you have like different jobs you have the queen ant you have the worker ants you sometimes in some ant colonies you'll have like soldier ants that are like bigger and bulkier um with carpenter ants they have worker ants and they also have uh what are called honeypot ants um which also occur in other species of ants as well but honeypot ants are a type of worker ant whose job is to become a living pantry for other ants by eating Uh so much that they basically turn into food balloons so they consume Uh huge amounts of food and it turns into this like sweet sugary liquid in their abdomens and but it's so much of it i mean well i know you said abdomen but this photo it just looks like it's got a juicy booty This might be my vibe. I feel like this mm-hmm. ant. You're like, vibing with this ant. Yeah, this is who I am inside. <laughs> it. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It, it basically turns itself into a water balloon of food. Like you look at it, it is. It's actually <laughs> kind of pretty. So like you see it, it's like it, it looks like its butt um, mm -hmm. is just filled with. It's just this like amber orb of you could food. say juicy booty, Katie. It's you a juicy booty, okay. Juicy <laughs> you missed you miss those shorts that say juicy on the back. Yes, I never got to have one because they were the, the actual ones were expensive. The yeah. juicy couture. Yeah, so, I never got yeah. I never got those as a kid. I was a very like straight laced little kid. I would never get like a thing that said juicy on my butt. Now I'm thinking of like just crocheting my own juicy couture yes, shorts. It. I took wood wood shop in uh, middle school. I was like one of two girls in the class, and for our final project, which was free freestyle, like do whatever you want, I made a plaque that said "naughty or nice," and it was a picture of an angel and a devil with the words "naughty or nice," and I just painted flames on the naughty, nice and angel wings on the nice. Literally, everybody's like, "Why are you in this class?" I'm That's like, a I like woodworking. But are they're you like, kidding? You <laughs> That's amazing. What do you mean? Why are you in this class? All the That's men incredible. were like, or boys. They weren't men. I called them men. All men the boys a were real like, man would congratulate you on your artistry. They were like, try to. They were like, I want to make power. Use power tools. I was like, well, guess what? Those power tools you thought were so cool. I used them and I made this cute little naughty or nice plaque. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's what I instead of like a live, laugh, love plaque. I want like naughty or nice or like hail Satan. <laughs> Oh my God. With these honeypot ants, actually, sometimes people will eat them because basically they're like little, little, uh, oh, what's it called? Not juicy fruit. What are? Oh, uh, like gushers? Gushers. They're like little oh gu living gushers because they are full <laughs> of sugary goo. And they're apparently very delicious if you can get past the fact uh -huh. that your gusher is an ant. Might be better for you than gushers. Gushers are just chemicals. That's true. I'm actually grossed out by gushers. Something about it, like you're like che chewing on this thing and it pops in your mouth. It's very like <sighs> pustular that I don't like. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like these, yeah, they should make, if they marketed these ads, they'd just be like, you like gu your gushers with the head and legs on them? That's a good marketing yeah. technique. Like, would you like a gusher, but it's alive and it's got a head and legs? Yeah. <laughs> they do that already in marketing of candy. Like, hi, kids, I'm living candy. Murder True. me. I want to be eaten. Yeah. What's up with that? I wonder if there's like an innate hunter gather vibe that we <laughs> have. Like, why do we of all the mascots for M&Ms? Why do we just make them? Alive, we crave yeah. murder. It's because we, 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 we need to we, feel like we're hunting for our yeah. candy. We, we, yeah, we want to feel like when we like chase <laughs> down nerds, they're cute little things that like are literally running away from us and that we eat. And wow, you know, I mean, that's wild. I think you're <laughs> right. That's crazy. Maybe your quarantine hobby could be starting a gustatory adventure when it comes to eating insects. While I don't suggest picking up random bugs and putting them in your mouth, insects and other arthropods are beloved food all over the world. Our culture is just biased against them. Cooked scorpions, sans stinger, apparently taste like soft-shell crab. Roasted grubs reportedly taste like bacon. Mealworms have a slightly crunchy, nutty flavor. Crickets are apparently like a combination of popcorn and almonds with a few more legs. Sounds good, no? 
Well, personally, I haven't quite gotten over my cultural hang-ups about bugs, but maybe one of these days I'll enjoy some nice fried grubs, cricket flour, pancakes, with a dash of honeypot ant syrup. When we return, we're going to talk about some stargazing with an alien danger. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Imagine you're enjoying a starry sky. Wouldn't it be nice to grow wings and fly up into the stars, bathed in the glowing light of a billion distant suns? You see Orion and the Little Dipper and, well, actually, you don't really recognize these constellations. That's strange. What's going on? Why are you suddenly stuck, as if you've hit a ceiling? And what's that thing crawling towards you? Well, you'll find out soon enough. section I've just called vibing, because I feel like one of the hobbies of the quarantine 2020 times to try to mm. stay, I don't know, just like stay, keep your spirits up is just finding out ways to vibe that you know what i mean it's like almost like you know like your brain can provide like serotonin and whatever you know the the mood enhancers but i feel like a lot of cultures have like festival of lights in the yeah. dark times um like during the you know winter and i this photo of these lights it's it's kind of like a external way to add um you might think it's frivolous like decoration but it's not it's actually to right. 
produce those like happy happy hormones just yeah looking at something nice yeah. yeah i feel like i like we have to kind of think of ways to, like because all of those things like festivals and rituals and mm-hmm. gatherings like i think it serves an extremely important purpose for uh human psychology and yeah, like the gathering of the juggalos <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Like it's a it's a yearly migration, one of the largest migrations in the natural world, that of the juggalos. Um, But yeah, I mean, it is really important, obviously, like our health and not dying or killing people with COVID is more important at this time. Like that takes priority, keeping people safe from a deadly disease. However, I think if we can figure out ways to like just kind of enjoy ourselves and get that like and I'm I'm like very agnostic, but I think there's a lot to be said about like rituals and festivals mm-hmm. in terms of that like kind of inner fulfillment. There it's there's something really yeah. like I don't know, like if you, if you want to put up like like string lights or festival lights or like continue mm-hmm. with sort of um I guess j- just like do fun things like to keep yeah. you you said lights and I did buy LED lights to put up and I just realized I put up um, I bought some like space prints like because you know <gasps> NASA's photographs are nice. public and sometimes people print posters so I bought a bunch of galaxy photographs and put them up and I think probably innately I'm missing yes like my connection to nature and the sky even though I've only lived in like big cities where I don't <laughs> really stargaze I just maybe subconsciously yeah. at the very least I get a little bit of it when I'm out I don't have it at all. I now, mean, like so. the lights of the city maybe take the place yeah. of the lights of the stars in our brains. And sure. if we're not going out in the city at night and getting the lights and like, you know, going to mm-hmm. movies where we're getting all this light and stuff like maybe that part of us. It's like I like because I share that exact thing. Like I want to just look at a night sky and look at the stars. I can't because we're in L.A. And um, yeah, <laughs> I've been said. waking up with the sun, not with no alarm and it at first alarmed me but i think it is my body being like you're in hunter gather mode now like, <laughs> you, need, you need to follow <laughs> the the diurnal rhythm of the sun it yeah. just started and it's been doing that for weeks i just eyes wide open as the sun's coming up and i'm like i guess we're awake now yeah Fine. because we're talking about like lights and, and i love that like you're thinking about stargazing and stuff i think it, there's something that is so aspirational about that like when we're kind of stuck in this like survival mode and um there is an insect that also likes to create an artificial environment of stars and this is known as arachnocampa luminosa which is also known as the glowworm the new zealand glowworm when you said um, artificial uh, environment of stars, I was like, what, what What? are we, in L.A. or something? <laughs> Egg, yeah, nice. Got him roasted. <gasps> Got him. Hollywood destroyed. <laughs> 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 so these glowworms are actually the larvae of a fungus gnat. So fungus gnat is sort of like a, it looks a bit like a mosquito, but it does not feed on human blood. It feeds on fungus and seedlings, but their larvae are glowworms and they are so creepy and beautiful. They are these transparent, long, like wormy maggots and they but they have bioluminescent butts like their sort of caboose area it glows blue 
And they live on the ceilings of caves. So they weave silken hammocks all along the ceiling and they actually travel through these silken hammocks um, like they're on a monorail, essentially, like all of these like sort of monorail uh, uh, worms going around with their glowing cabooses. But they live in these big groups and when they're all clustered together like that, they actually look a lot like a beautiful starry sky. Like you're looking at yeah. an image of them and they actually flicker as well. If you wanted to look at the video, you can oh, yeah. see how they kind of so, glow and flicker. So the the video, okay, so I see the string. So is that all one worm? That's a long string. There's, um, like, no. It the, looks I like, think, like jellyfish almost where they're like. Yeah. No, so this the worm those like dangling tentacle like things are actually strands of silk that the worms have constructed. So they're strands of silk that have little globs of sticky saliva on it. So they look a little bit like icicles or stalactites, but they're actually just strands of silk with with sticky fit on it. And the reason they do that is that even though they're beautiful and it looks like this fairy wonderland, these are vicious carnivores. So oh they will create these intricate, like it's beautiful. It looks like Christmas lights and like, you know, like those sort of like icicle yeah. Christmas lights that dangle down. It those looks also- like an exhibit that would be at a like a music festival. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. someone's tripping on like acid. an EDM festival. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny that you said their their cabooses glow because I'm like, I mean, give it like five, ten years. That's going to be a trend. Like some yeah. some Hollywood influencer is going to be like, have you gotten the latest surgery to get a bioluminescent ass? And oh, my God. That's got to be wait. like, come on. I can't Blowing wait. butts? I'm going to get. You would light a- up the club. <laughs> yes. Please. Thank you. I'm going to get glowing butt implants and and then learn to twerk so that, you know. That'll be my excuse. It's like, look, I have to learn butt dances because my butt glows now. I'd be depriving the world of this glowing butt. I'm only half joking. I'm like bioluminescent butt, especially if yeah. it's in nature. I could see this. this exactly. Now I'm thinking I should crochet some juicy pants, but with like bioluminescent threads. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, th- I support it. Yes. So they create so all of these like beautiful dangling threads and then the worms themselves are bioluminescent so the threads aren't actually glowing but it's reflecting the bioluminescence of the worms and all of this effect creates this dazzling light light display that moths and other insects that are traveling through the cave will see and moths actually use starlight to navigate so they don't just like go towards light because they're dumb They go towards light because they actually are able to navigate in the night sky by following the stars and the moon. And so in these caves, when you have this like fake display of twinkling stars, it disorients the moths. They fly towards the fake sky, even though it's not a sky at all. It's just the ceiling of the cave. And then they land into these sticky hanging threads and become trapped and as a glowworm feels a moth vibrating their thread, they will reel in the thread and eat the poor oh. moth that thought it was flying towards starlight. Oh my god, that's so sad. <laughs> I mean, I hate moths, but yeah. Wow. I mean, is that what we do when we move to big cities? We're just all getting trapped in the web of it's. That's exactly what liberal it is. lies. <laughs> yes. 
socialism. <laughs> LA is just it's little it, people don't know this but there's actually just a giant glowworm that eats everybody. Yeah, the, the earthquakes are the vibrations. That's right. Look it up people. Yep. Yep. Do you, do your in. research. Don't you love it when someone like proposes a crazy conspiracy theory and you're like, "What are you talking like about?" It. Why don't you do your research? Every um, single time I've seen a documentary about conspiracy theorists, the one person like the doctor or the expert who was like, "So I did." And it's like within minutes they're like, "And I disproved them immediately." It's like anyone's <laughs> like, "Look it up." It's like, "Okay, I did." It's very easy to disprove you. It's well, you're not easy. looking at the right websites, then. Yeah, but if you I... ignore all of these other books and then you just look at this one thread written by this one blogger who's anonymous, but he keeps it that way to protect himself. Yeah. And he doesn't back it up with anything, but trust me, it's real. It's like, okay. Twitter sure. is run by a big glowworm and everyone knows yeah. it. So we'll if you read sources by big glowworm, guess what? They're going <laughs> to deny that a giant glowworm lives in LA and consumes everybody. Oh, wake up, sheeple. Anyways, um, it's really interesting because, like, the glowworms are so committed to the grift. They they actually, there's, like, multiple glowworm colonies within one cave. So a bunch of, like, groups of glowworms that all kind of, similar to the web spinner, where they kind of share their um, their woven silken runways a little bit, or not runways, sort of like railways, and um, but the different colonies also seem to collaborate. So one colony will have a cycle where they're glowing and attracting insects and then they'll sort of like shut off. And then another colony will take their turn glowing. And it's relatively new research. So it's not exact. Researchers aren't exactly sure why they seem to take turns. Maybe it's like sort of a way to ensure that the cave is sort of glowing at all times so you're always sort of getting a flow of insects but it's not going just to one colony because they probably can't handle that many moths at once so you're sort of like working together to create a eternally fake starlit sky to trick moths but then making sure all of the colonies sort of like get sort of equal distributions of food again socialism wow yeah <laughs> and then the last thing I want to talk about is just so charming and fun. It is a fun little game that dolphins play. So dolphins are very playful, intelligent creatures, and dolphins and other cetaceans like belugas like to do fun underwater vape tricks, except not with vape, <laughs> just with oh air. So you know how like people with vape, like I, I don't have anything against vaping really. Uh, I vape culture though sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where so, it's someone who has dedicated their life to doing doing vape tricks. tricks you know, mm. I, I think they're awesome. I love to see a vape trick. I uh, the lady doth protest too much. I think, but I <laughs> I did want to a couple of years ago when we were cracked. I thought it'd be. I never ended up doing this, but this was one of those ideas. I was like, if I have too much time, I'll do this. I wanted to write a step up, but with uh, a kid who wanted to go to school for or compete in vape tricks. Yeah, like, but mom, I want to vape. I don't want to go to college. I want to vape. I want to be a vape bard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is. I, I actually love to see a vape trick. Those are those are pretty sick and tight and cool. But dolphins. Yeah, you can see it, but Katie's doing the, sh the Sheka. I'm hand doing signal, it. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, she's not. She's just... 
taking a big a big <laughs> huff of vape, as they say, <laughs> as the kids say. Don't they say that? You know. Yeah, I'm just gonna go and do some vape. I'm gonna go. Do I'm gonna some do vape. some vape and blow some sick clouds. <laughs> I'm very cool. Love me, Zoomers. Love me. <laughs> so. Dolphins, hey Zoomers, you may think dolphins boring, right? No. Turns out they love to do sick vape tricks too under the water. So they will blow bubble rings underwater um, using nothing but their blowhole and little flipper tricks where they will create a vortex by moving the water with their flipper. They'll create a spinning vortex. They'll use their blowhole to blow a bubble of air towards the vortex and as it gets caught up in the vortex it creates this perfect beautiful shimmering ring of air under the water you know that scene in like the hobbit where gandalf is like check this check this out frodo i'm gonna blow like or no no wait he's sitting with bilbo (laughs) and bilbo blows like a smoke ring and gandalf is like oh yeah that's pretty cool check this out and he blows like a whole like boat out of smoke out of his pipe okay Gandalf like chill out you know I have no idea if this is real or not I mean it sounds like something that could happen but it also sounds like a joke with the Gandalf thing I guess I don't know Lord of the Rings well enough to know if this is a joke about Lord of the Rings or if this is true yeah it's a fictional like the 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 movie is fictional on account of all the magic and stuff but it did happen no no i mean like if, i mean like if this is a real I scene know. from it i know i'm just kidding i'm giving you a hard time uh-huh. withers aren't real teresa no no it's it does happen in the movie i don't remember okay. if it actually happens in the books um please don't hurt me tolkien fans i don't remember the books that well but yeah no it definitely happens in the movie and it's always i always feel like gandalf is kind of being a jerk because it's like oh you can smoke blow like a ring like i can make a boat out of smoke because i'm a wizard it's like yeah uh-huh. no, we know your magic and stuff like you know it's just but this is how I feel like the dolphins are flexing on us, where mm. it's like, oh, you can blow a smoke ring. I guess that's cool. I can make a shimmering ring of air underwater that is shiny <laughs> and beautiful. And they will do all sorts of trick with the ring. So they can manipulate it. They can like push it forward or make it like do a spin. They'll even like blow like a second ring and then like join them together so that it forms one big ring. And when you watch a video of them, which I will include in the show notes, like it's very clear they're just having a good time. There doesn't seem to be any purpose to this. Now, dolphins do use <laughs> bubbles as tools. Sometimes they'll create bubble nets where they basically swim in a circle around a group of fish and then blow a bunch of like bubbles and or like use their uh, flippers to stir up a bunch of bubbles in the water and that traps the fish in this column of bubbles and then they use that to hunt but with these bubble rings there's no seemingly no practical purpose to it it's just for fun they're just playing it's it's and they seem to understand the physics of the bubble ring not just in how they like interact with it and like push it around and play with it but they also there's researchers that observed them doing this and they found that like you know the trick where they do like the first bubble ring and then they do a second one and then join them together the dolphins would only do that if the first bubble ring was structurally stable so they like the dolphins 
learn like, okay, this bubble ring is like looks really good and stable so I can blow a second one to join with the first one. So that means they know how this works. They understand the Mm -hmm. physics of these bubbles and like how to do sick bubble tricks. And it's... (laughs) They're almost like the cats of the ocean, like cats who just hunt but also play with their food and just bat a yarn around. Mm -hmm. And they do literally play with their food. Like, you'll see an article come out every so often where it's like, dolphins like to torture seals. And like, you think they're cute and fun, but really, they're like murderous torturers. And and it's <laughs> it's just, well, I mean, have you ever had a house cat? Yeah, like predators yeah. like to play also, with their food. Humans should not be speaking. I mean, we literally kill animals and then mold them into shapes of other animals and eat them like dino nuggets what's up with that that is such a crime against chickens i'm not like (sighs) and look i i must admit i'm not a full vegetarian i do eat chickens but i do feel weird about disrespecting them by like forming them into dinosaurs where it's like chickens Remember when you were a mighty dinosaur and now you're just a little feathery <laughs> dinosaur that we eat? So yeah, yeah, know. that's true. There's that other layer. I mean, if you believe in evolution, which I don't. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Teresa is canceled. <laughs> don't cancel me. Um, yeah, no, we're definitely the worst. And we love to project like, oh, can you believe these animals are hunting? It's like, well, we just breed them to eat. Yeah, we so. uh, we do factory farming, which some might argue is more cruel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we are like, like really, like throw the first stone. Which like I do would... eat. I do eat meat, by the way. I just yeah. like to make observations. No, hundred no. percent. These are also roasting me myself. I'm not right. casting any stones on anyone. Or like, oh, dolphins fight each other. It's like, yeah, we have. <laughs> We have nukes. Literally. We have nukes. Like, basically, any time we're like, oh, these animals are vicious and they fight each other, we have nukes that could. We have enough nukes to basically destroy the planet like 10 times over. So if we treated animals the way we defend uh, male perpetrators in Hollywood when stuff gets out, (laughs) where everyone's like, yeah, but like, okay, there's like how many people? Just two people. Yeah, but look at all these good things they do. But with animals, you're like, oh my God. This one animal played with their food. That dolphin ripped the seal's head off and is playing with it like a football. It's like, but you know, he's such a he's such a nice dolphin though. A nice and, dolphin. Very like, nice dolphin. He's got a great career in like dolphin lacrosse. How many kids has that dolphin made laugh, you know? Right. Just, like at the, like the captain of the dolphin soccer team. He's got potential. That dolphin <laughs> had a career. Uh, uh don't cancel dolphins. Don't cancel <laughs> dolphins is what I'm saying. You know? <laughs> like can't can't there's a lot of things we should cancel. Dolphins aren't one of them. Mm-hmm. Because of all the cool bubble tricks they do. I really am kind of a sucker for the dolphin bubble bubble tricks. They like they'll like sometimes balance sort of the bubble ring on their nose and then like whip it around. And it's like dolphin, I see what you're doing. You're They're like just very showboaty. Like yes. one of them is eating a bubble I saw. They like Yeah, like push snapping it and have like yeah. imagine if this was a fish, chomp. I could behead a fish anytime I want. Is there any mating rituals to this or is this just for fun? It's hard to say. Like, I wouldn't necessarily rule that out. I don't think there's any concrete research on whether it's a form of communication. Because certainly they do sometimes do like bubble blowing and like showboating as a form of communication. It can be used to like impress other dolphins. I don't know that it is strictly a mating routine, but I 
I think it's possible that like they could use it to impress the ladies, be like, hey, check this out. I learned this trick. I like to call <laughs> it the tornado of love. I mean, wow, I'm hooked. Well, is it only men who do it or both? No, 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 uh, but oh, I think but. they all do it. It's it's just fun. It's a good time. It's interesting. It's almost like dancing because some people, humans dance for, you know, to impress their potential mates, but also yeah. some people just dance for fun. But yeah. I think I'm, I'm one of those people. Because <laughs> I dance by myself alone and it's just as fun as going to a club. I dance for exercise now. I have that um, Switch game called Just Dance 2020, and mm. it's where like it tracks your movements somewhat uh, uh -huh. and like rates you. It's definitely not doing a great job <laughs> tracking my movements because if it really could, it would give me like an F on every dance I do. But it, it it's like, oh, you're a superstar. I'm like, no, no, really, I'm not like. No, you are. Dancing is how you, much you feel it. That's you don't let true. the screen tell you what to do. I think that, like, if it had, I, I do want it to, like, like if I could wear a shirt that's, like, connected to the Switch mm -hmm. somehow and it measures how much I sweat, I feel like that would be the true measure of, like, how good I'm dancing because, yeah, <laughs> it's very sweaty when I get into it. But it is it is fun. Sometimes I will change uh, into dance more comfortable dancing clothes to cook because I really like to cook and dance at the same yes. time because I'll play music and I'll just dance around and nice. then like move into my living room while like you know the wa waiting for the water to boil and just do a yeah. little torque number and yeah it's fun <laughs> so that I mean I think that we've basically covered every hobby you could possibly need in uh, in quarantine whether it is baking bread out of your own saliva and pollen or creating a fake starry sky with a bioluminescent butt, you know, I think we got everything covered. Do you have any new hobbies you think you're going to try out to like, like inspired by these animals? Yeah, the bioluminescent butt. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go for that. Yeah. Seconded. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Teresa. I know you have a fun quarantine kind of entertainment thing coming up. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, I'm doing a live show on Zoom, so socially distant on Friday, uh, I guess this Friday, September 25th, 7 p.m. So you can uh, get tickets online and it'll be fun. It's uh, I'm doing stand-up with Babs Gray and Dominique Jellin. Uh, follow me at Larissa T to get tickets. And also, if you want to buy a hat, I'm selling hats that say, cancel me, daddy. Nice. Which started as a Twitter joke. <laughs> People actually wanted them and turns out they do. I, but I, I still have a few left. Um, but yeah, so follow me online. You can uh, get them there. That's fantastic. We need to get these hats for dolphins. <laughs> so that like the do like when, when the dolphins get canceled, they can be mm -hmm. like, yeah, well, check out my yeah. hat. I wanted it to happen. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Check that out. You can find us at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That is something very different. You can find me at Katie Golden, K-A-T-I-E-G-O-L-D-I-N on Twitter. And, you know, just Katie thoughts and so on. And as always, I am also at Pro Bird Rights, where I make the case that the upcoming bird revolution, where birds become the dominant species, is not only inevitable, but good and welcome. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show and you leave a rating and review, I will be eternally grateful to you. It really does help 
out, tells the robots that we're a good show. And I also read all the reviews, and they warm they warm my cold, cold, spider-loving heart. So thank you for that. Thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature features a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows, even if it's on the butt of a glowworm. See you next Wednesday. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.